0: Good morning, and would you join me once again in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 1, the gospel according to Numbers. I've been listening to some of the old CDs that we did a number of years ago on the book of Revelation, and I can't help but think a lot about that, because in every one of those is, boy, uh, tonight's lesson is really good, and, and I've had a good time studying for it, well, I feel that way about Numbers. It's just one of those pasture lands that I never thought was there. It's just green grass I didn't realize was just over the next hill. And here we are, the book of Numbers chapter 1. Now we're going to spend our time again on the verse, verse 1 of Numbers chapter 1. The first lesson we looked at was kind of a broad overview of the whole book and to some of the great blessings that God has for us in this wonderful book of Numbers. And then we spent... Three, time, three Sundays looking at Jehovah, Jehovah and his different names as he's called in the scriptures to his church. And then last week we looked at that Jehovah spoke. As it tells us in Numbers chapter 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, in the tabernacle of the congregation, on the first day of the second month, in the second year, after they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying... It was, and still is, only by grace and grace alone that Jehovah came down and spoke to Adam after the fall. It was by grace and grace alone that he came unto that being that he had created and commanded with his very own words, face to face, that you shall not eat of this tree. And then we read that he went ahead and ate of that tree and plunged his whole being into sin, and every one of his descendants would be in the same place. And yet we find that the Lord Jehovah came down to him and spoke to him, number one, to identify where he was. Adam, where art thou? And then we find that he goes ahead And does something most miraculous. He did something for those, our first parents, that they could not do for themselves. They illustrated the point that they couldn't do it when they covered themselves with fig leaves. And God said, this is unacceptable. Now he doesn't use those words per se in the scriptures. But he does share with us that it was necessary that he cover our first parents with a substitute. And he used the skins of animals to demonstrate that very thing that it was going to be by the shedding of blood that a covering would be made that would be satisfactory. And we read through the scriptures in so many types, shadows and pictures of that shed blood, that that slain uh, sacrifice and that shed blood. And then we read about the Lord Jesus Christ in his own personal ministry to this earth that he went through that entire regime as He was brought before Pilate, he was taken and crucified and slain, and then all of those Old Testament pictures, types and shadows took upon great meaning, and we also find that the fulfillment of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus would require these words from the Lord from the cross, it is finished. This whole thing is wrapped up in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In our Book of study, this book of Numbers, God will declare in a number of ways how His grace can be exercised to His people. And we're going to see that again in this first chapter and in the first verse. Jehovah, we read, is the revelation of the Godhead. We find that the Lord Jesus Christ is the revelation of the Godhead. And would you turn with me, keeping your finger right here, but turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and there in verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. And we read about Jehovah here. In fact, in the New Testament, we know him as the Lord Jesus Christ. We know him as the one that was born of a virgin. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. We know him uh, as the person Lord. That is a title given to him of authority. He has always had that title. He has always had this authority. He has always been king of kings and lord of lords. And then we have the word Christ that is added to his name, which brings us back to Old Testament Messiah, the word that was brought to Adam and Eve there in the Garden of Eden, that there would be one that would come that would take care of the problem you've brought on the world. Well, we've said this many times You can read it in commentaries of those who know something about the gospel. And you can hear it from gospel preachers. God was not caught off guard when that happened in the Garden of Eden. He was not caught short. He was not surprised. He did not know what to do. But he already had a lamb in the wings prepared, slain from the foundation of the world. So God was in absolute control even to that. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, we read this about the Lord Jesus Christ, about the glory that he has, and that he reflects the glory of the Godhead. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, we read these words, it says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness takes us back to creation, takes us back to us before we were saved, and then the glory that he brought to us in the light of the gospel, in the light of Christ, in the light of the the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He shines out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If you ever want to know anything about God, We must come through Christ because he is the revelation of the Godhead. He is the revealer of the Godhead. He is the revealer of all the things that are spiritual, this one, the Lord Jesus. And then back up, if you would, to the book of uh, John, chapter 1, verse 14 and 18. John, chapter 1, verses 14 and 18. This is the one that's speaking in the book of Numbers. And as we find, he's the one that's speaking throughout all of the Old Testament and bringing that word through the New Testament. This is the one, the Lord Jesus, that spoke. Jehovah spoke to Moses in the wilderness. In John chapter 1 and verse 14, the scriptures say this, And for the word was made flesh. This word of God was made flesh. He took upon himself the form of a servant. He came in the likeness of sinful man. That's what we find in the scriptures. And dwelt among us for 33 and a half years. He dwelt among us. For a number of years, he was taken care of, just like our children. We take care of them. But this one, the Lord, was taken care of by his mother and his stepfather until he became of age, just like we did. And then at the age of about 30, he identified himself as the one that came to preach the gospel to this world and to declare the gospel in the giving of himself. This one, the Lord Jesus, he became flesh and dwelt among us, And we beheld his glory. Now John is saying that as well as the other disciples that knew about him. Judas saw a blank face. Judas saw nothing. Judas never saw any light. He saw a candle. That's all his life was, was just a candle. But to the others, this one was the light of life. To others, this one was the light of glory. To others... This one was the light of the world. To Judas, it was just a candle of life. And when that candle went out, it was over for him. But to the others, when this light of life goes out in our life, we get to see him face to face as he is. What a difference. goes on to tell us, we beheld his glory as the only begotten full of the Father, full of grace and truth. And if you drop down with me to verse 18, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. He's revealed him. He declares him. Declared in the gospel. He reveals all the Godhead bodily. This one, the Lord Jesus. Now, Jehovah speaks to a man. That's amazing. Even after the fall, by 2,000 years, he speaks to a man, and his name is Moses. Now, Moses was a descendant of that very Adam that we read about in the book of Genesis. Moses was a descendant of that very Noah that was called on to build an ark for the saving of his household. Out of all the thousands and maybe even millions of people that were on the earth at that time we find that Noah was called on to deliver eight souls, and he was one of them. Moses was a descendant of Abraham. Now, Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldees. Abraham would have stayed there all his life if God had not got involved with his life. He came down to a pagan city. He came down to Ur. He came down to a man who was not looking for him, and he came down to that man and called him out of that place to go to a place he had never seen before, never heard of before. This man, Moses, is a descendant of Isaac, that promised son to Abraham. Abraham went through several things trying to bring about God's will, brought on a son that's going to be a picture of the world, of the flesh, of natural religion, and then he gave to him a promised son by the name of Isaac. This is the son of promise. This is the one that I promised you. And we read in the Old Testament that Abraham and his wife both laughed, but we get to the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, and they didn't laugh at all. Under grace, under the blood of Christ, they were taken care of. We don't have that record I'm thankful under the blood, I don't have that record before God of what I am by nature. I have a record before God that I'm a child of God, purchased by his blood, and his blood has put away all my sin. This same Moses was a descendant of Jacob. Jacob was the supplanter. I was interested this morning in the lesson, James and Jacob are the same names. Both of them mean supplanter. This Jacob was a scoundrel, and yet we read in the word of God, God gives us this message. He said, Jacob have I loved, Esau I have hated. Jacob I love, Esau I hate. Now that doesn't ring very well with natural man, but with the person that believes the gospel, believes the Lord Jesus Christ, had Christ revealed unto them, they find themselves in a thankful spot because if it wasn't for the grace of God and his eternal love for his people, nobody out of all people would ever come to Christ. There would be no salvation of any kind if it wasn't for God being involved in natural man and then knowing them as spiritual beings in the covenant of grace. I am called on to remember about this Moses that God spoke to in the book of Numbers, and he speaks to Moses almost 50 times in the book of of Numbers alone. The Lord Jehovah spake unto Moses. Now, as we go through there, we'll find those spots. We're not going to take time to read them all today. But I want you to turn with me to the book of of Hebrews for just a moment, chapter 11. And notice that the Lord came down. Jehovah came down and spake to Moses in the wilderness. And this is the Moses that the Lord came down to speak to. In In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23, it tells us something very important here about Moses. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, it says, By faith, Moses, when he was born... Now, this is the faith given to his parents. Faith is always a gift of God. Spiritual faith is always a gift of God. Now, we may have faith in something. We may have faith in somebody. We may have faith in ourselves. But that doesn't mean that that's the faith that God has given God gives faith, and that faith is true, honest, and spiritual faith. It is a gift of God, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. If we are depending on our faith, then we're depending on false faith. If we're depending on his faith, then he's given us the the privilege of having that faith, the blessing of that faith. Here it tells us that Moses' parents... By faith, they saw that their son needed to be delivered. Well, God had a ministry for him. God had moved on his parents to take care of him. The edict had been gone out, had gone out by the Pharaoh that all the male children in the realm were to be killed. That was the law. And it tells us here in Hebrews chapter eleven and verse 23, by faith. Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. They saw, what does that mean? They saw God had something to do for him. By faith, they saw this. Now, by faith, Moses, when he was come of years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He'd been taken up out of that Nile River by Pharaoh's daughter, He was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. He was going to inherit as Pharaoh's daughter. And in in verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now notice verse 26, because this connects us from Old Testament to New Testament uh, person. In the Old Testament, he's always called the Messiah when he's talking about Christ. Here we have Moses esteeming the reproach of Christ. Did you catch that? Moses esteeming the reproach of Christ. Now, Old Testament through New Testament eyes, we run into Christ as the Lord Jesus Christ. This is who we find that Moses was esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in egypt for he had respect upon the recompense of reward by faith he forsook egypt not fearing the wrath of the king for he endured as seeing him who is invisible these words are written about moses and this took place prior to numbers chapter one verse one when jehovah came down and spoke to moses when we find this, we find that the Holy God Almighty, Jehovah, is coming down and having conversation with one of His children. He's having conversation with one He had revealed Himself unto. He's having conversation with one that had been written down in the Lamb's book of life from eternity. When it tells us in Numbers chapter 1 verse 1, the Lord spake unto Moses, He's speaking to one of his children, and he's going to give him a great love letter. We don't think often that Numbers is a love letter, but it is filled with the love of God coming down to his people. And that is only what God does. God's love promotes him to come down to his people that he has in the wilderness, This is an interesting thing, that the Lord descended to the wilderness to speak to one of his children. Child by salvation, child by gift of faith, child by redemption, child by regeneration. Moses was a man of grace, and grace alone. There was nothing in Moses that would attract God, because he is just a mere descendant of Adam. And this conversation covers much of the book of Numbers. He came to Moses. He spoke to Moses. He spoke to a son of grace. He spoke to a child of his. He brings to him the message of comfort. He brings to him the message of grace. He brings to him the Lord Jesus Christ. And some 56 times does that happen over there in the book of Numbers. Jehovah spoke to Moses in a very special place. The same place he finds all his sheep. We're not on some high plateau. We're not elevated halfway between heaven and earth. When God finds us, we're here in a wilderness. And there it was called the wilderness of Sinai. What had just come down off of that that mount? God had just delivered the law. Now, we know that nobody is saved by the keeping of the law. That's brought out when we get to reading about Abraham. Abraham was not saved by the law because that law hadn't even been given. He was a child of faith. By faith, Abraham believed God and was counted unto him for righteousness. That's the way it's always been. Now, he gave us that law and he showed even those who were so taken care of by God. Those children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those 12 tribes that saw God in a way that no other person had ever seen, that no other tribe had ever seen, that no other group had ever seen. He provided such convincing uh, thought and points to the Egyptians. He brought upon them those plagues, and those plagues affected the Egyptians, did not affect those his people. When there was darkness in Egypt, there was light in Goshen. When there was this over there, there was not that over here. He showed that there is a great dividing line between Jacob's and Esau's. Now he comes over here into the book of Numbers chapter 1 and throughout the book of Numbers, he is visiting with his people in the wilderness. And that wilderness is where you and I were born. Now, we may have been born in a city. Oh, I have a good friend. Right now, he doesn't want to admit that he was born in Portland. And you know what? We have to bring it up all the time. Oh, you are born in Portland, huh? I was not. You know, it doesn't matter where we were born. We're each one born in the wilderness. This place changed so dramatically after Adam fell and then really changed after the great flood. People, Adam, before the fall, visited with Jehovah. And when he came down, Jehovah came down after the fall, he could only do one thing, and that was to cover this man with a covering acceptable. And that's the only way that God can have converse with worms. <laughs> now, we're in the wilderness. The wilderness is all about us. Did you hear read this morning there in the book of Luke where it says, A man, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which was lost till he find it? Where did he find it? In the wilderness. He found that in a book of Matthew, it talks about being in a mountain of way. That's where he finds his people is in a wilderness. Now, it's a wonderful thing to find out that God knows where every one of his lost sheep are. We don't, and we don't even know that we're lost. But there he is, this mighty God, knows all things. He has the knowledge of where his lost sheep are. He knew where Moses was every step of his life. He knew him from before the world. He knew them in conception. He knew them in birth and took care of him before he could even think about taking care of himself. He put in the heart of Pharaoh's daughter to be a mother to him, protect him from all the harm that even the king, her father, said, I'm going to take out on these people. He was protected from the very beginning and he was protected Till he's passing and he's still protected because we heard of him read today. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration with the Lord of Glory talking about his demise. In the wilderness, that's what Jehovah said he would do. He would meet with this in the wilderness. Now turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy, would you? Another wonderful Old Testament book that If I live to be 120, we may get to. Deuteronomy chapter 32. This is a wonderful statement made about the Lord finding his people in the wilderness. Because that's where they all are. are, We're all in the wilderness of this world. It's a pastoralist place. Mephibosheth, he lived in Lodibar, which is just another word for a pastoralist place. We have no green grass to give us spiritual food here in this wilderness unless it's supplied. We don't have any pure air to breathe, spiritual air to breathe, unless it's provided. It has to come from someplace else. This world has been put into a terrible plight as a result of the fall. In fact, it tells us in the book of Romans that this earth groaneth in itself as a result of the fall. It groans. Well, some people say, well, that's the earthquake. I don't know what it all means, but I know what the Bible says. It groans. It's the, it went through a terrible event as a result of the fall, and is still going through that event. Well, we find here in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, that God tells us with regard to his people. Now, forgive me, but I find the church in the Old Testament all over. The church is there. God's people are there. The church didn't start on Pentecost. The church didn't start during the ministry of the Lord Jesus. The church was counted out in the council halls of eternity, and their names were written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, the first church member that ever got to sit before the Lord in glory, we know him. His name was Abel. He went up there and found his chair. It was marked out for him. And all of the thousands since that time have found their place marked out in glory just like the Lord said it would happen. I have my people. I will call them to myself. Blessed in the eyes of the Lord are the death of his saints. I'll welcome them to full honors because of Christ. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 9, the scriptures share this. For the Lord's portion is his people. Now that's the church the Lord's portion. Now, Israel is a picture and a type and a shadow, and we find out there there were a few in there that were in the spiritual church. Not all Israel is of Israel. Those that are of Israel, they have faith in God Almighty. They're not depending on some national scene. Well, it says here, the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. Now that's one of the people that are directly in the line of Moses. He found him in a desert land. Where did he find Jacob? He found him in a desert land. He found him in this world. He was not on some high plateau waiting for God to come find him. Jacob would just like the rest of us run from God until he found us and brought us to himself. He drew with cords of love. He resurrected us out of the spiritual death. He found him in a desert, in a waste, howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. That's exactly what God does for his people. He is the only one that can truly teach us the truth of the gospel. The preacher may come along and declare it, but how do we know it is revealed to us by the Holy Spirit? He's the one that teaches us. It's the Lord that teaches us. And all those that are taught by the Lord know him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. You know, even though Jacob was off running around one time, a whole bunch, you know what the apple of the eye is? That's I'm close enough to see my reflection in your eye. That's pretty close. He kept Jacob as the apple of his eye. What's he mean? He says, I'll lose none. I'll keep them, I'll watch over them, I'll bless them, I'll bring them, I'll call them. Some may be young, some may be middle-aged, some may be in religion. That's the wilderness he found me in, was just accepted religion. I wasn't one of those strange religions. You know, the religion I was in used to always talk about the strange religions all religions thrown up in the air you couldn't tell the difference you know what it is all is works 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 and the church Christ 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 amen that's the difference goes on to say here he found him in a waste wilderness He instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye, as an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. Turn with me, if you would, over to the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah, as the Lord came down that day and spoke to Moses in the wilderness. I wonder what everybody else was thinking when they saw that glory. Because the Lord coming in his glory to his people is glorious. You know, we read in the New Testament that some heard thunder. That's all it was. And some heard the word of God. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Some heard thunder. I wonder what the rest of the folks thought when God spoke, the Lord spoke to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. He was traveling with a whole host of folks. I wonder what they thought. Oh, that sounded like thunder. I don't know what happened. You know what Saul thought? God spoke to me. He came in such a manner. You know, we have all this idea about how people are saved today, that they just volunteer for it. Talk to Saul of Tarsus about volunteering for it. He came down. Saul had nothing, wanted nothing, did nothing, had no absolutely no interest in whatsoever, but God, who comes down in the wilderness and speaks to his lost sheep, spoke to him and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. And the rest of them heard nothing. I'm glad that the Lord came down to Moses and spoke to him and gave us the book of Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And I'm glad he came down and spoke to the rest of the prophets and gave us all of the Old Testament and the rest of the apostles that gave us the New Testament. How glorious it was for him to speak to them. Here in the book of of, uh, Nehemiah, would you travel with me to the book of Nehemiah chapter 9? Nehemiah is giving an account, giving an account of God's great blessings to Israel. And we see through this, if we look at it from New Testament eyes, we see the Lord speaking to his church. What a glorious thing. This all pictured. It was a type and a shadow. It pictured these things, but to speak to the church with such glory. In the book of Nehemiah, he's recounting what God had done with Israel and Greater than that, what God does for the church here in the wilderness. How he blesses the church and calls his people out. Nehemiah and Ezra were contemporaries. And one day they decided they're going to have a service out here. Because a lot of people had forgot the things about God. In Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 6, the scriptures say, Thou, even thou, art Lord alone. Thou hast made heaven, the heavens of the heavens, with all their hosts the earth and all things that are therein, the seas and all that are therein, and thou preservest them all, and the host of heaven worship thee. You know, if we could just get a hold of what had happened in the first creation, we wouldn't have near the problem with the second creation. I have a lot of friends that believe that God created the heavens and the earth, but when it comes down to salvation, they have to contribute something. How much did the the eye of the cow contribute to being created as a cow? How much did... Grass, contribute to becoming grass. Not one thing. And how much do we contribute to our salvation? Not one thing. We're just an empty, broken vessel that he comes along and fills with his glory. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We're not made glorious on the inside. He told a bunch of the Pharisees, he said, you have cleaned up the outside, but your inside is filled with yuck. Hasn't been cleaned up. You're like a painted sepulcher. Dead men's bones. But God deals with us and puts that treasure in earthen vessels. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 6, he said, verse 7, Thou art the Lord, the God, who didst choose Abram, and broughtest him forth out of Ur of the Chaldees, and gavest his name of Abraham. You know, Moses was not even a name given to him by his parents. You know who named him? That Pharaoh's daughter named him. Gave him an Egyptian name, which means taken out of, or similar, taken out of the river, delivered from the river. But you know what his spiritual name is? The Lord our Righteousness. That's the name of everyone God ever saves. The Lord our Righteousness. His name was Moses. But he learned what it was to be the Lord our Righteousness is my name. He says he changed his name to Abraham and found his heart faithful before thee. Who made that heart faithful? God Almighty is the only one. "...made us a covenant with him, and gave him the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Jebusites, and the Gergesites, to give it, I say, to his seed, and hast performed thy words, for thou art righteous, and didst see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt." and heardest their cry by the Red Sea, and showedest them signs and wonders upon Pharaoh, and upon all his servants, and upon all the people of his land. For thou knewest that they dwell proudly against them, so didst thou get thee a name as it is this day. And there in verse, uh, drop down to verse 19, it says, Yet thou in thy manifold mercies forsakest them not in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud departed not from them by day to lead them in the way, neither the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way wherein thou shouldest go. Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them and withheldest not thy manna from their mouth and gavest them water for their thirst. In the wilderness, who took care of them? Thou forsookest not it them in the wilderness. You led them. It tells us there in verse 19. You led them. You showed them the way that they should go. Thou gavest them a good spirit to instruct them. Even in the wilderness he took care of his people. And even today when he saves his people, he saves them and he delivers them. And yet he leaves us in the wilderness, but not alone. I'll give them light. I'll lead them. I'll direct them. I'll teach them. I'll be with them until they leave the wilderness and join me in glory. Jeremiah chapter 2. Would you turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 2? Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 4. We have Jeremiah speaking about the subject again as the Holy Spirit throughout all the Old Testament Scriptures as well as the New Testament Scriptures. Where did he find Saul of Tarsus? Even though he was a highly religious man, very educated, he found him in the wilderness. Where did he find Matthew and Mark and Luke? In the wilderness. Where did he find John? In the wilderness. And what did he do with them? He saved them by his grace and led them by his spirit and taught them the things of the spirit of God. And they said with conviction, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Who am I? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, who taught them that, God Almighty, and who led them through their life by the light of the glory of God, the Lord himself. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me? that they are gone afar from me and have walked after vanity and are become vain. Neither said they, where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt and led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits. Can you you, uh, grasp what he's saying here? He's led us through the wilderness through a land of pits. Not Pete's pits. (laughs) Through a land of drought. And of the shadow of death. That's where he leads us. Oh, things sometimes just don't go as we planned. But it's according to God's eternal purpose. He leads us through the wilderness. The wilderness that God has here. He brings his great grace. Where did Christ find all of his disciples? Where did he find Moses? Where did he find Abram? Where did he find Noah? Where did he find Abel? In the wilderness of this world, in a fallen place, there wasn't anything spiritual that would cause them to turn to God. But he finds us there, lost sheep, finds us, brings us back, and teaches us the great grace of God. Where was Zacchaeus when the Lord found him? Well, we say up a tree, but that tree was in the wilderness. Where did he find the maniac of Gadara? That Gadarene. Where did he find the woman at the well? You know what? God finds all his people in the wilderness. And he speaks to them. And calls them. And when God calls, God's people come. And he teaches them the glorious truths of Christ in the gospel. That truth about his blood purchased us and put away all our sin. In the book of Romans, is a quote from the Old Testament. It says, I was found to them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. That's really what the wilderness is about. I have no interest. I have don't don't talk to me about that. I don't want to hear that. Have you ever said that? I'm through with that. I tried that. My brother made one of the clearest statements about religion, and he's just he's just a nothing. He says, Norm, I know this. There is nothing in religion. And I says, You're right about that. There is nothing in religion. But there's Everything in Christ. He comes down and speaks to us in the wilderness. Brother Mike.